Hey, what's up, everybody? It's your girl, Nyla X, and I'm coming to you today with a new episode. And today I am joined by my friend. Hi, everybody. I am Erica Williams with Bridges and Barriers Counseling Services, and I am so honored to be a guest on your show today, Rihanna. Thanks for having me. Uh, thank you for so much for coming. I'm honored that you even accepted the invite. So today, um, we're both um, Black therapists, of course. And so we're going to talk about how family secrets hurt the family structures, because one of the things that we find is very important is having a strong family. Collectivism is so important, especially with the people who um, you're related to. And then this world is ran by strong families. And then also the way that we treat ourselves, we treat other people, the way that we treat ourselves is the way that we treat our children, the way that we were treated becomes the way that we treat our children. So today we just wanna talk about some things that we find are toxic so that we can help strengthen the family structure and shed light on black mental health or just mental health really in general. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, Brianna, and you know, um, I like what you said about how the way that we were raised kinda is the way we show up in life, you know? And a lot of times the way we were raised, whether it be right or wrong, we don't know any difference until we kind of educate ourselves to even know different. So, you know, a lot of times we grow up with that old adage saying, you know, children are to be seen, not to be heard. What goes on in our house stays in our house, you know? So uh, we may have like an Uncle Joe in the back room, you know, and they're like, oh, just leave Uncle Joe or Aunt Sally alone. That's, you know, just who they are and not even be able to explain to us that, hey, they have whatever mental illness that's going on with them, you know. Right. And, um, you, that, you are absolutely right when you talk about just the whole dynamics of the families that we're raised in and the structure of our families. Right. And I know that, and honestly, that's something I think that keeping what's going on inside of your household could be one of those things that we learned in slavery. Because, you know, like we were teaching ourselves how to read, we were teaching ourselves ways that we can escape the plantation, and we never wanted master to find out, you know, so that could be something that could be passed down generationally within our family structure that we just have, we learned, but we need to consciously learn how to unlearn that. Because think about it, so children are to be seen and not to be heard. What are you really teaching your child? Because you know what? When children are taught not to say anything, a lot of the things that's going on, they don't understand and now they don't feel comfortable talking to you. And yeah. so with that, when they don't say anything, it's like... Children develop these defense mechanisms and the things that children develop the most is internalized oppression. oppression. And they begin to think that it's their fault so they can have a father on drugs or a father or mother, you know, that isn't as present as they want them to be and then automatically they just start to blame themselves and they can't talk to anyone about it. You know, children go through things on their own and it's important to be a support system to your child. You don't have to be, you know, like a lot of our mamas say, you don't have to be one of their little friends per se, but you want to be able to be that support system for your child. So like, just like how we have that coworker that we don't like, you know, every time we see them, they trigger us. We have a manager that we don't like, and every time we see them, they trigger us. Children go through things too, because children are getting bullied in school. If I have 20, any given day, children clients, a lot, most, about 19 of them are depressed or have, this has contributed in some way to their depression, the fact that they're being bullied in school. Mm -hmm. And bullying is a form of emotional abuse, and a lot of children can't handle that, and that's why our child suicide rate is climbing. Mm -hmm. Or it has something to do with the fact that, you know, mommy is in a domestic violence relationship, and they feel like, right. you know, if I hurt myself or I kill myself, you know, mommy will be happier because mommy's mate doesn't like me. So mm -hmm. we can't teach our children not to say anything. We have to teach our children to be able to express their emotions to us. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Allowing kids to know that they have a voice is very, very pivotal. It's very important. You know, a lot of times we don't see kids as little humans, right? Mm -hmm. And a little human who has a personality, who has feelings, who have thoughts, who has emotions. 
you know, a lot of times, especially with our young boys, when they hurt themselves, we say stuff like, oh, get up, dust yourself off. You'll be okay. What are you crying for? Right, you know, right. I'm crying because I'm hurt. You know what I mean? I'm crying because my knee is gushing blood is why I'm really crying, you know. But we'll tell a little boy to dust yourself off. Keep it going. You know, you need to keep on in life. And so these little boys grow up to adult men who now has a family or a significant other and don't know how to be emotionally available to them because he was never taught or even allowed to be able to feel what he feels when he feels it, you know? And so it's very important that we teach our, our little ones how to express their thoughts and their emotions. You know, it will help out with all of the anger that, you know, people have. It'll help out with people not running to drugs and alcohol just to self-soothe because they don't know how to articulate their needs and their wants. So you're absolutely right. You know, with the young girls, you know, girls, they grow up. And the whole, as you just talked about, this mean girl syndrome with this whole bullying thing. Well, you know, when I'm at home, my sister hits me, my brother hits me, my mom yells at me. And, you know, I go to my mom and tell my mom that my brother or sister hit me. And my mom told me, go in there, sit down. You all stop. You know, my mom don't have time to hear me. So what does that do? That tells me that don't nobody care about the way that I'm feeling. So I'm just to endure whatever happens to me, you know, and um, and I'll be okay. Right. But a lot of times we're not okay. You know, our outside says I'm okay, I'm all right, but our insides is broken. You know, we are walking around with broken bones on the inside and we don't know how to repair them. We don't know how to piece them back together. You know, and so, um, and then the whole thing with that as well is our parents doing for us and, you know, instead of teaching us and letting it be teachable moments, right. then they do everything for us. As I, I like what you said when you said, when you even think back to slavery, how we had to sneak and whisper and do a whole lot of things in order to survive. A lot of us nowadays, we're still in survival mode. We're not living because we don't know how to live. You know, what? families, a lot of times, our parents, you know, they don't teach us how to do things. They tell us, they direct us, right. you know, or they right. just plain out do it for us, you know? And so we get to a point where now I have to go out into this great big thing called life and now I don't even know how to manage my own thoughts, my own emotions. I become who other people say I am. I do as other people say I should do because I'm not secure and confident in myself because I was never taught how to do things, you know? So it's very important that parents understand the value of teachable moments through their child's lifetime you know it's okay to be able to um kind of lead and guide your child through life that's what makes successful people who make successful decisions who have successful lives right that's um, obama's quote when he said it's better to be a critical thinker to just be blind and obedient and that's what you want to encourage in your kids, you know, like just make sure that they genuinely understand. Don't just always do it for them. You know, like don't just like for me, I live in my grandmother. Well, I bounced between both of my grandmother's houses when I was in high school. But and I could take a lot of responsibility, too, because I knew like if I didn't get up and cook or if I didn't want to get up for clean or something like that, it would just be it would get done for me. You know, so when I got to college, I really didn't know how to cook the things that I wanted to make, or I didn't really know how to clean an adequate way, you know, that would be presentable for a guest would come. You know, mm -hmm. I didn't really didn't know. I didn't know how to put, like, you know, gas in my, I didn't even know how to put gas in my car, you know, and so I yeah. think that's something that they realized once I left for school and they weren't no longer there to call me and I would have to call them, mm -hmm. you know, every five seconds. But then, right. see, the best thing about um, my, my paternal grandmother, though, and my paternal grandmother, they're both, like, really conscious women. 
And um, so it's this book that's like really um, sacred in my family. It's written by Elijah Muhammad. It's called Message to the Black Man. And every time I have a problem, you know, my grandmother would tell me to read that book. Wow. And then nice. if, if I still have the problem, she'll say you didn't read it. You know, <laughs> especially like if it's something like going on with a job or something like that, because it'll be like, well, you maybe you should just do for yourself. Maybe you don't need a job. You know, maybe you can answer your own problems and start looking outside. And I feel like that's even something that because I had that framework growing up, like when I couldn't ask my mom or when I couldn't ask my grandmother or my father or something like that, I would ask for friends. And it got to the point where I couldn't even make any decisions without asking somebody else first. Mm -hmm. But then when the decision, the advice that they gave me went wrong, it would be like, it's toxic to blame that friend. Because they're just telling you what they would do. And then why is it that I'm waiting to make a decision until somebody else says it's okay? Right. I'm the goddess of my existence. I'm the master of my reality. Which That's what I need in my practice, y'all. But that, I'm the master of my reality, so I have to consult myself first. How does it feel to me? That I think it through, that I weigh the pros and the cons of this situation. You know, and even if, because we can't blame our parents. I think a lot of us, especially right. a lot of our clients, like we blame our parents, our grandparents, you know, for the things that they taught us or they didn't taught us. But we don't understand, you know, it's no rule book on how to be a parent. It's right. no rule book. They can't give you something that they didn't have. Mm-hmm. You know, like we don't even think about our family's structure, how our grandmothers was raised. Because, I mean, we ain't that far removed from slavery. Mm-hmm. So we don't even think about the generational trauma that's being passed down that we have to correct. But even though we have that generational trauma, our duty isn't to blame them, it's to look within and see what we can do better so that we can break that generational curse. Yeah, yeah. And I'm glad that you said that, Brianna, because that's exactly what it is. It's passed down from each generation. And some people don't like to use the word, it's a curse. But in our actuality, what is it? You know what I mean? Because it's it's passed down from each generation. You know, in my family, my everybody in my family, including my great grandmother, went to a Methodist church, mm-hmm. right? Great grandmother, all aunts, uncles, cousins, like the whole family on 35th and King Drive in Chicago. That was the church we went to. And it became a point that I was like, what is a Methodist? Like, I didn't even know the practices. I didn't, I was a Methodist because generational, I was told that that's what I needed to be. Although I didn't know anything about it. I knew we sung out of a hymn book. That's about it. You know what I mean? And a lot of times that's what happens. You know, it's things that's passed down to us that we do. Slavery said, if we beat them, then they'll do what we tell them to do. So then what do we do? We say, well, let me beat my kids. Because if I beat them, they're going to do what I tell them to do. Instead of looking at our kids as individual, I hear this so much, especially as a therapist. I treat all my kids the same. I treat everybody the same. It's no way possible because people have different temperaments. You know, people have different ways that they accept things and that they view things. You know, one person, you may have to be a little bit more stern and direct and may have to um, repeat yourself more than once. Whereas other people, you could tell them something once and then it clicks and they get it and they're able to respond accordingly. You know, and it's like when we know better, we do better. And we just need to step back away from what has been inbreded in us. As you said, we have to unlearn some things, you know, but it takes someone to have that insight and awareness to even question something that they may have doubt with. Mm -hmm. But a lot of times we were taught, you don't question, you just do. Right. And that's how you just raise like a whole bunch of followers because I'm not questioning anything. And that's right. something that I'll forever be grateful to Clark Atlanta, my HBCU for, because I was doing a lot of things because of the traditionalism of it, you know, because I thought that this was the right thing to do. I thought it was the right thing to do to go to church every Sunday. 
You know, mm-hmm. I thought it was the right thing to do, you know, to just, and I'm not saying that it's the wrong thing to do, but it's just not, it just didn't, it doesn't work for me, you know, or to give, you know, t- give my last on tides in, in, in order to keep it, in, it before keeping it for myself if I really needed it. You know, mm-hmm. I thought that was the right thing to do, but I never, and if you question me about something, I'm going to answer it with a Bible verse as opposed to my own formulated thought and opinion. You know, mm-hmm. you get so much stronger. And then when somebody challenges you on you don't even really know. You can't even defend your position because you're not using your own brain that God gave you. You're just regurgitating what's been regurgitated to you. You right. know, like that's why a lot of people, it's like they say that they're a Christian. You know, they say that they're a Muslim. They say that they're a Jewish person. You know, but if you ask them, you know, well, what's your core values? Why are you a Christian? Why are you a Jew, et cetera? They don't know. They don't right. know. And how strong can your faith be if you don't even really know why you practice it? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, you have, a, you have a valid point. I know many, many, many years ago in my undergrad, um, one of the professors had us to read this book called First Things First by Stephen Covey, mm-hmm. right? And then this book, it shows, it helps you to be able to identify how you show up in life. Whatever role you are, you may be a daughter, a mother, a sister, a friend, an employee, and all these different roles that we play in life, you know, the book kind of helps you to put that into perspective. But then one other good thing about the book, it had us to write a mission statement for ourselves. And our mission statement for ourselves, of course, is that thing that says, hey, world, this is how I'm going to show up every day. This is what I live by. This is my guiding force, my morals, and my values. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times, we, as you stated, have morals and values that other people have given us, but we haven't, we don't have, um, can't think of the word that I'm looking for, but we don't own it to be our own core values and morals and the guiding force that we use for our own lives. You know what I mean? And so I I like to actually challenge my clients to write a personal mission statement so that they know this is how I live my life. Not according to someone putting a label on you and say, hey, you're such a nice person. You know, oh, just ask her. She's really nice. And then what does she do? She tries to be nice all the time. Even on the times when she's not nice, then people point that out. Like, what's wrong with her? Why she's not being nice? Well, because I have my days and it's okay. So I show up how I show up, you know, not according to how other people say that I need to show up in this world. Yeah. Yeah. And it's it's a do you hear an echo? Mm-mm. I do. Okay. No, but I don't have an echo button. Okay. Hopefully that's not affecting the recording. Okay. I just turned it down a little bit, so that should help. Okay. Okay. And then also, we just have to normalize the fact that children have feelings because the less they feel like they can talk to you, because I really liked how you said, you know, that you can't treat all your children the same. You can't because you can have two different children with two different personality types. And then we got to think about the fact that children are going through a lot of things that we didn't even go through, especially with the cyberbullying. You know, you can get into a fight at 12 o'clock and by one o'clock, thousands of kids all over the city had seen you get into a fight. You know, how humiliating is that? Or now, you know, they even, you know how many children clients that I've had that have have taken it upon themselves, you know, to have sex with the wrong person. You know, they got tricked, as a lot of us do as kids. I don't blame them for it, you know. And but the guy he's so deceitful, he recorded. Right. Or the guy yeah. he's so deceitful, you know, like um he didn't got this person drunk and now and you know they're children, they lightweight. And so now they just him and the friends is running and having their way with this girl. But now, on top of that trauma that she's already facing because of what she just went through, on top of that, she has to deal with the world knowing and the world labeling her. Yeah. That's something that we never had to go through. Mm-hmm. So that's, we have to talk to our children. We have to be that support system for our children instead of that person that's just the enemy. You have to know your child. Like, mm-hmm. it was a kid that um, her mom brought us to us because chicken wings was her favorite food. 
-hmm. and she didn't want them. You know, and so she knows her child so much that she knew that her child was beyond depression. She didn't even want her favorite food. That's something yeah. that you got to pay attention to. And right. come to find out when we did the suicide risk assessment, she sure was suicidal. Wow. Wow. Yeah. You yeah. Like, I wasn't that kind of child that if you beat me, I'm going to want to go do it 20 more times. Like, why did you beat me? That just made me upset. You know, because right. a lot of times when I did things wrong, my intentions weren't wrong. It ended up being wrong, you know, but I just wasn't that kind of kid, you know, but if yeah. you talk to me and you help me to process, you know, like, what did I do wrong? Because a lot of times I got beaten, I still was confused, you know, right. and I would do it 20 more times because I didn't even, yes. I don't get it. I don't get it. Just mm -hmm. help me understand, you know, mm -hmm. but if you tell me, you know, if you break it down to me, you know, this is why I was wrong and I'm going to correct this behavior in you because this is the type of woman that I want you to grow up to be. Right. Okay. I would totally, I get you 20 times. I won't do it again. But if mm -hmm. you just beat me and you don't explain it to me, I'm just, now I just feel like you're the enemy. Right. Exactly. Exactly. It reminds me of this little story that, um, I think I read it or something, but, um, this little boy had a brand, brand new shiny bike. And he was so excited to ride it and asked his mom if he could ride it. And mom was like, yeah, sure. You can ride it. Just don't go to the corner. Mm -hmm. So the boy hops on his bike and he's riding his bike and he's just bringing the little uh, little chime thing. And so he goes to the corner. So mom calls at him. Hey, get back down here. You know, didn't I tell you don't go to the corner? Yeah, yeah, you told me. If, so I'm gonna let you ride that bike again, but don't go to the corner. So he says, okay, jumps on the bike, gets on the bike, he rides, goes right back down to the corner again. So mom calls him back and this time she is furious so she's yelling at him and she's pointing at him she pulls him off the bike and pops his butt and then um tell him now don't go back to the corner do you hear me he said yeah she said don't go back down there to that corner he says okay and then he looks at her and says what's a corner teachable she told him not to go to the corner, but she didn't teach him what the corner was. Right. And that's what we do a lot of times. That's, that's what we have been raised, that type of environment where our parents tells us, don't do this. Matter of fact, I'm going to say this out loud. My parents says, guess what? You can't have a boyfriend. And if you can't have a boyfriend, you can't get pregnant. Guess it was a teenage mom. See how that works? Mm -hmm. Not that I intentionally went out to get pregnant, of course not, but it wasn't teachable. It wasn't, hey, this is sexual intercourse, or this is the birds and the bees, or however you want to, you know, word it or label it. Right, but right. we have to be able to teach our parents, I mean, teach our kids. You know, a lot of times parents, they go through things you know, as adolescents and teenagers and things like that. And now that they're an adult and maybe they're a successful adult, they, you know, become this person who forgets about their past. And so when their kids do things, instead of them being a teachable moment, then it's almost like, well, I do this for you and I do that for you. And I don't understand why you're like that or why you act like that. I do so much for you. Right. And it's not about that with the kid. It's not about what you have done for me. Tell me, why are you really upset at me? Did I disappoint you? Did I hurt you? Do you feel like a failure as a parent as a result of something that I did? Like, really help me understand why are you so angry right now at me? You know what I mean? And then just being able to convey to your kid when they do mess up, you know what, A, I did the same thing when I was your age, or I know somebody who did that when they were your age and I was too afraid to do it because of this and that, or this is how I overcame it. This is how I got through it. No, we forget about the junk, you know, adults forget about the junk that they have done over the years. And now that they're arrived per se now, and they have kids, now they expect to hold their kids at a certain expectation that their kids probably can't even meet. Right. That's yeah. so realistic. And that's one of the dangers of assuming. 
assuming mm-hmm. is always dangerous. You can't assume that your child knows anything, especially if you personally haven't taught them. Right. You know, like just like how we had that client or I had that client who was, she was like six or seven and her mm-hmm. uncle had been touching on her inappropriately. Mm-hmm. But she had been telling people that she's been right. referred to her private areas as cookies because mm-hmm. that's what her mother taught her to refer to her private areas as cookies. So she would say, she would say, yeah, my uncle touched my cookies. He took my cookies. And so we're thinking, you know, like she's talking about actual cookies. But until mm-hmm. you really dive into it and you understand her behavior, then you realize like, oh, wait, are mm-hmm. you being molested at home? Which would have been something that we could have caught months earlier, right. months earlier or weeks earlier. It probably, uh, her teacher could have caught it. You know, yeah. if she just knew the proper verbiage. So mm-hmm. just because, you know, we don't think that it is going to happen to our kid or, you know, we don't want things to happen to our kid, we have to have those conversations with our kids. It's yeah. the, we don't, that's a luxury that we can't afford not to do. We Absolutely. have to have those conversations with our kids. We have to have that conversation with our kids on how to interact with law enforcement. We have mm-hmm. to have those conversations with our kids about sex because especially if we give our kids phones, I can't even tell you how many kids come in because they, their parent just catch them at eight, nine, ten, and now they're watching porn. But you don't right. want that to be the first time that they've been exposed to sex. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. want to be able right. to get ahead of it. Absolutely. Absolutely. I agree. It's, it's you know, and, and so what that creates, that creates those secrets, you know, back to those old secrets, right? And that whole, you know, well, if I say something, then I'm going to get in trouble, you know, instead of if I say something, then maybe my parent will give me the help that I need. Maybe my parent will explain to me what it is that I'm going through. You know, I cannot tell you how many kids, matter of fact, I just had an adult who told me, oh, I've been hearing voices since I was a kid. My mom and them, they just thought I was, I had an imaginary friend, but the voices never went away. So all my life, I just thought that I just had this imaginary friend and I just made it just part of my life. I didn't really realize that I had a mental issue, you know, because once again, we are so easily to dismiss things instead of taking the time and talk about it, converse about it to get an understanding of what it really is that is really going on, you know? And here you are, the hidden wonders of mental illness, you know? Yeah. And you know what? All of us, every single person in America, I feel like we all need to be trained to identify, you know, what's mental illness and what's not. Like us as mental health professionals, as soon as Kanye sent that first tweet, we knew well he was having a manic right. episode, and he's right. not, not off. His, he's probably off his meds, or he knew he needs new meds. He probably, you know, it could have it could be one of those things because a lot of people that's bipolar, you know, they get off their meds when they want to be, you know, more creative because they feel as though they, that puts them in a more creative space, and and that's debatable, you know. But that's something that we all need to reach out for because or have an eye for at least know what that means. Because what happens when, because what a lot of people don't understand is with bipolar, it's a mood disorder. So you have Mm -hmm. elevated moods and you have depressed moods and you go up and down, up and down, up and down, depending Mm -hmm. on if you have type one or type two, it depends on, you know, how fast it comes. But people are actually more likely to kill themselves when they're in the elevated mood. And that's what a lot of people don't know. And those things that we don't know will be the things that that will end up hurting us. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. No, I'm sorry. Go ahead. What were you saying? Oh, yeah. And then also, it's like you don't want to become. Just going back to your last point, real quick. It's like you don't want to become that person that's a bully to your own children. Mm-hmm. Because the kids, they already deal with enough out in the world. Because we know what kind of world we brought them into. Just mm-hmm. like we want our home to be a place of comfort for us. We want the home to be a place of comfort for our kids because what happens is when those kids think that they can't talk to you, they create this habit of either they're going to meet someone, even if they that person genuinely cares about them or if they don't, they're going to become codependent on that person or they're not going to say right. 
they're going to keep everything bottled up to themselves. And those are the people that cut themselves at night mm -hmm. because they have so much going on. So many, because every emotion carries the energy and they mm -hmm. have so much negative energy stored up inside of them that they don't even know how to release it. So they cut right you know so they so they overly medicating themselves mm -hmm. you know or they just keep it into themselves and then what ends up happening is those are the number one people that commit suicide those people mm -hmm. who don't who have support systems that don't utilize them mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah yeah and once again like you said they have support systems but they don't feel as though they are supported right and that's where the big problem comes in that you know uh, working in this field, as you know, there's several people that say, hey, I'm here, I'm here for this person, but this person doesn't feel like that person is there for them because they don't open up the dialogue for them to know that I'm, I'm here for you, you can trust me, and um, I will protect your feelings and your thoughts, I will protect you. They don't feel protected. Yeah. And because they yeah. don't feel protected, then they feel like they don't trust. So it's very important, once again, that we make sure that we open it up conversations. And, you know, we're talking about various things because at the end of the story, it all boils down to how that individual is going to show up in this thing called life, right. you know. And it right. actually really do start from within the home. As they say, it takes a village, and it really does take a village, you know, but we have to be open to create the village, yeah, you know. Yeah. And, and we, we have to, see, I'm sorry. No, go ahead. We have to see them for who they are, as opposed to who we want them to be. Yes. That's the biggest thing, especially like going back to when you were saying one of your clients, you know, they were hearing voices their whole life. A lot, yeah. that happens a lot. You know, yeah. it's the fact that we don't want to believe that they have a mental illness. So right. we think that if we act like it's not there, then it'll go away. Right. We're going right. to pray it away. <laughs> you better speak it. <laughs> well, right. We can pray yes. we go to therapy and have our medication. Yes. Yes. So I think that yes. we need to up and make better medications. Yeah, definitely. I'm not, I'm definitely, I definitely believe and um, doing things on top of your medication because your medication isn't just the, the magic pill. I believe Absolutely. eating healthy, eating mm -hmm. healthier, that helps a lot with um, mental instabilities, um, especially with your moods. You know, yeah. that's something that the doctor won't tell you. But that helps right. a lot. Yeah. Sleep hygiene as well. You know, like you, we, we know there's no magic pill. I can't pop a pill in my mouth. I got a headache right now. Mm -hmm. I can't pop a pill in my mouth and poof, my headache is gone. You know, I may have to make it dark in here. I may have to drink some water. I may have to lie down for a couple of minutes. You know, I may have to just sit with my head down for a couple of minutes, but there's no magic pill to anything. Right. You know, that's right. why it's very important to understand, as I like to say, warning signs. So what am I doing internally as well as externally? And then let me manage that right. you know what do i need to do to make how i feel internally go away if i'm worrying excessively if i'm feeling sad if i'm feeling alone or whatever that is internally what's going on how could i improve that externally what am i doing am i not sleeping enough am i eating too much am i not eating at all you know so i like to say let's manage the symptoms pay attention to the symptoms you know, we definitely, it's, it's definitely a holistic thing, you know, um, having a sleep hygiene. A lot of times we take a shower, go to bed. Well, maybe I need to cut on some music, light some candles, you know, run a bubble bath. I don't know. Just creating an atmosphere that helps to coast me into sleep. Sometimes we do need medication. However, medication and coupled with some type of coping skill actually can minimize the times in which we do need the medication right. you know maybe we don't need it every night as far as you know a sleep aid or something like that some meds we do need to take them as prescribed as recommended you know but a lot of times people say well i've been taking my medicine and i still feel sad well that's because sadness is a natural normal emotion i've been taking my medicine and i still be getting mad 
mm, anger is a natural, normal emotion. Yeah. So yes. understand how do I manage my emotions? You know, it's not necessarily a pill. It's going to wipe everything away. Mm-hmm. Certain things is just natural and normal. And we just have to know how to process our way through it, you know, in order to create a quality of life that we would like for ourselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then we also have to identify what are our triggers. Yeah. What are my triggers? If every time I talk to this person, I get depressed, maybe that person needs a trigger. You know, mm-hmm. or if every time, you know, I go into this job, I get angry and it and it and it bothers my mood and now i'm just pissed even though i woke up on the right side of the bed now i'm angry maybe that's a trigger for me maybe i should look into you know figuring out what is it that makes me happy that i can do that's going to still bring me some income Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know like a lot of the answers that we look for we look for them outside of ourselves we think that it's going to be a magic pill we think that you know if we talk to the right person you know, then we're just going to feel a lot better. But I think that it's more helpful to look for the answers within you. So maybe you can identify triggers. Like if it's a person, you know, we, I love, I love, love, love and the serenity prayer. Not because of like any religious reason, but it just helps me to realize, you know, there's some things in this world that I can't control. And there's some things in this world that I can't control. So if I can't control the thing that's triggering me, maybe I can change the way that I deal with the person. Mm-hmm. you know maybe I could just start accepting them for who they are as opposed to you know what I want them to be you know right. maybe I can just limit our interactions you know or I could just figure out you know how can I accept this situation or how can I stay away from it you know that's that that's being more proactive rather than reactive I think that's a better approach to our triggers identifying you know what was it is it every time I come around this person or every time I watch this show because that can even be a trigger for you because I had a lot of patients or not patients, but clients come see me because they watch 13 Reasons Why. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, what we feed into our brain is a diet. Mm-hmm. Just like how we got to eat every single day so that we can have the energy to do the things that we want to do. If we want to start having more positive thoughts, we got to start feeding our brain more positive things. And I'm not saying, you know, don't watch anything that's negative. I'm just saying, like, at least it's just, just have a balance here. You know, just don't watch things like trauma porn all day. You know, right. a lot of clients that came to us because they was repeatedly watching a George Floyd thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, yeah. so maybe if, if, if I understand that that's a trigger for me, and then maybe I can identify, like you said, those early warning signs, you know, before I have the episode, maybe I can stop that from happening. And then mm-hmm. identifying a happy place, like, you know, what makes me happy? Like a lot of people in this world, they think that they don't even deserve to be happy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, perception is a lot. Perception is everything, right? So it's the situation or the event. How I feel, how I think about it, creates how I feel about it, creates how I respond to it. The situation or the event may not ever change, but what could change is the way I view it, the way I I perceive it, right? Mm-hmm. My perception of whatever that is, then it help change my mood about it and then I will respond differently about it you know it's raining outside right I can't change the rain right but if I think oh it's raining it's going to be accidents on the road you know traffic is going to be bad I'm gonna feel irritated right angry kind of frustrated that I got to go out there and get wet how am I respond in a negative way but the same situation is raining outside. If my view or my thought about it is, well, my grass will get watered, you know, the temperature will get a little bit cooler, I'm gonna feel a little bit more relaxed and more accepting of the rain, and then I'm gonna respond accordingly in right. a positive way, right? So it's as you were talking about the serenity prayer, accepting things that you can change and can't change. Sometimes our situations we can't change. So what could I do to be mentally and emotionally okay with whatever it is that I have to go through? Right. And that's being able to change the way you see it. Mm-hmm. I love that. Mm-hmm. I love yeah. that. And I even have to do it myself because, like, I hate traffic. I hate traffic. 
And so, like, if I'm sitting in traffic, especially if I'm about to be late somewhere, I'm just busting. I'm like, oh, my God, this is horrible. It's triggering me. But then I had to change the way that I look at it so that I could deal with it better. If I couldn't change the situation, I changed my perspective. So I just was like, you know what? Thank you, God. Thank you so much for, you know, being with me, being with me in this space. You know, a lot of times we get into accidents. It's not the fact that we're wrong. It's the fact that we were just in the wrong place at the wrong time. So thank you, God, for allowing me to be in the right place at the right time so that I can be safe and I can make it there and back. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I got to change the perspective so that I can calm myself down. Like, if, and I say this all the time, like, if you won't allow somebody else to talk to you that way, don't talk to yourself that way either. Just like how we would check someone else if they're talking to us like that, we got to be able to check our own thoughts too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's good stuff right there. You're absolutely right. Being able to check our own thoughts, checking ourselves, right? Right. And that's what it's all about. When we check us, then we're able to create the life that we want for ourselves, right? Is this thinking helpful or is it unhelpful? You know, is this healthy or unhealthy? And then create that life that that we want for ourselves. So yeah, good stuff, Bree. Yeah, and then it's important to just normalize our mistakes especially to our children or to our loved ones you know like we all make mistakes nobody's perfect and i think honestly that's even more helpful for children's self-esteem because when children don't see the fact that their parents make mistakes or auntie or uncle you know they don't see that their guardian makes mistakes they're gonna feel like they can't make mistakes so they feel like so every time they do something that's short from perfect now they have a panic attack they have an anxiety attack because they're used to being around perfection or what's perceived as perfection Mm -hmm. you know so it's more it's better to just talk to our children about the mistakes that we made or talk to our loved ones about the mistakes that they made because you want people to love you and accept you for who you are because Mm -hmm. you keeping that to yourself is killing you it's mm-hmm. killing you internally. You're dying in silence and you're going through it alone. When you can have somebody that's going through it with you or at least understanding of the situation so that it could be beneficial to all parties. Yeah. Yeah. So true. That's what we were talking about a little bit earlier. You know, how parents, once they become an adult, then they forget about the journey that they were on along the way as they were growing up and becoming an adult you know, and getting back to, like you said, normalizing just life in and of itself to, to know that, you know, this is just a part of life. It's just a part of the journey. And the journey does not dictate who you are. It just tells the story of where you came from, you know, and it's us, up to us to continue on in the path of the way that we would like for it to go. Right. Um, especially like, you know, if you if you're in a relationship or you have a family and you and you cheat, mm-hmm. if you have an outside kid. You know, when that kid grows up, and if you say nothing about it, but that kid grows up, you know, that's the kid. That's the person that the whole thing that's affected the most from it because now they're growing up in isolation because mm-hmm. you would rather uplift this lie or keep this lie than allow this child that didn't even ask to be here. Mm-hmm to know the truth about her family and you know what's going on and you don't know how that's going to affect her mentally you know when this could have this potentially could have been a situation where you know y'all talk about it and they might be upset with you for a while but of course they might want a relationship with their sibling they might be accepted later but you would rather not say anything and that's how you know like my mom would say you know heaven or hell is a state of mind and so we put mm-hmm. ourselves in this hell and we keep ourselves there because we don't want to be honest about our truths. Mm. Honest about our truths. Yes. So true. So true. Because it's, it's easier for some people to live a lie than to be genuine and, 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 and live that authentic truth. This is who I am. My good and my bad and my indifferent. And having the courage to be able to change those things that they don't particularly like about themselves. It's easier to show up as this imposter in life, you know? But really, is it really easier, you know? Right. And so, right. So understanding, someone told me this, why lie when the truth does the same? 
The truth hurt, so do a lie. So why lie about it? Just be truthful. Just say whatever it is, you know, and be done with it. See, lies is those things that have us stuck. Lies are those things that have us um, self-doubting ourselves. Lies help us to not trust ourselves, right? Lies help us to hide from ourselves as well as other people because we don't want to be found out. Mm. However, if we just live our genuine innate truth and say, hello world, this is me. Parts of me I love, parts of me I need to improve, and other parts of me that don't matter one way or the other. Mm-hmm. Then you can never be stuck because you know who you are as an individual. Right. Nobody is creating that for you. You're showing up and letting the world know who you are. Therefore, nobody is creating your story because you're telling your own story. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. It's so many people that they don't accept themselves. Yes. And so that's why they run away from the truth or they run away from those uncomfortable conversations because we like to live in comfort. But those uncomfortable, painful moments is how you grow. That's how you grow. That's how you learn to accept situations and that's how you move past it. Right. Right. I always say you have to be uncomfortable so that you can be comfortable. Right, amen. <laughs> amen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, I'm so glad that you joined me today. Do you have anything else that you want, any closing remarks that you want to let the people know? Well, um, thank you once again for having me. This has been an honor. I had so much fun with you doing this. <laughs> me too. Been, me too. Yeah. Yeah, it's been great. And, you know, um, the one thing, if no one walks away with anything that we have said today, um, I hope they walk away with learning how to live your truth, Mm. that authentic, unshakable truth of who you are, you know, and if you do that, then the sky is truly the limit. Yes. Yeah, yeah, I love that. And I think I've seen you do that in group therapy before with your clients when you had um, one person stand up and say, yes, that this is me. That's the, the abuse is something that happened to me in the past, but it doesn't define who I am. Yes, I've made mistakes in the past, but it doesn't define my future. Yes, right. I made that mistake. I learned from it. I grew from it, but it'll never happen again. Yes. Yes. You know, so that that's so beautiful. That's so important because the, the, the more we accept and the more that we love ourselves, the more we're able to give that love. Right, right. Yeah. Being intentional and purposeful in life, you know? Yeah. Yes. That's beautiful. Yeah. And then I guess one thing that I want to leave people with because we're both um, therapists is the need for more Black therapists. You know, right. because yeah. a lot of people, especially with everything going on with the time that we're living in, with all the protests and um, Black Lives Matter being the forefront of the news, um, it's more and more Black people that are having panic attacks from watching everything um, that need right. to go to therapy, um, heightened anxiety, heightened paranoia, you know, so I think that is so critical for people to go to a therapist that understands them culturally, yeah. you know, that's able to look at you because um, where, where, from where I'm standing, well, let me give you guys a story. So I had a kid, this is when I used to work, well, what, back when I worked at a psychiatric hospital, I had a kid who was like 12 years old and he was there like all the time, like all the time, like every time I was there, he was there. That's how many inpatient hospitalizations they had. And then, but they just thought that he was a bad kid. And his mother was a lawyer, father, a doctor. So I knew that he, and he tried to fight like a janitor or something like that in school. Like, I mean, he just all the way off the hook. And so then one day I just sat there and I just studied him. I looked at him for like 10 minutes and he just kept going, kept going, kept going, kept going. And I said, you know what, y'all? He is manic. And nobody believed me. Even one of the head nurses, she went as far to say, that kid deserves to be in a cage. Wow. And I said, well, if he did, he deserves to go in a cage. All of them need to go in a cage. You know, so I got upset and I just left. But then I come back the next week and they're like, you know what, Brianna? He was manic. <laughs> <laughs> 
And this was now about six, seven months ago. And that kid has not been back since. Wow. You know, wow. that's the need for Black mental health. You need people that understand you. You know, like, because they already have these thoughts about how we're supposed to act, especially if they're not around Black people as much. So how could they understand the difference between, you know, you just, you just behaving culturally and now you having a personality disorder? Mm -hmm. They don't know. The only image that they see of Black people is what they see on TV. And you know, we're not always portrayed in the best light. Mm -hmm. You know, so this is a really important conversation to have. And also just being able to spot mental illness when you see it and then having that empathy for it. Because mm -hmm. they, they genuinely can't control it. We think, even though, because we're not going through it, we may think that they can. Because it's right. not the same thing that you haven't personally been through. But mm -hmm. no, we need to help them. We need to find the help for them, be a support system for them if that's our loved ones and help them to get the resources and keep advocating because there mm -hmm. aren't enough mental health resources, especially in Georgia and Maryland for the people who need it the most. And that's how they slip through the cracks. And that's how you see so many people talking to themselves on the side of the road because mm -hmm. they never had the proper support. Yeah, yeah. Well, I definitely want to applaud you, um, Brianna, because doing things like this help make people aware of mental illness. Some people are just not aware of it. You know, some people just don't understand it. You know, some people think that that's just the way that person is. Like that kid you just talked about, they just thought that that kid was just bad. That's just the way he was, you know. But when people like yourself help give insight as to what mental illness really is and how it shows up, it just helps us to be able to advocate for others just that much more and to be able to educate others and being able to understand how they and why they need to get help for the mental illness. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's good. That's good. Maybe your kid could be autistic if they don't understand the social cues. Right. You just, you just never know. Right. But, you know, thank you so much. I really appreciate you. I don't want to take up too much of your time. And again, um, this is Erica Williams. She has her own counseling practice. It's called Bear Bridges and Barriers. Are you accepting new clients right now? Yes, I am. Thank you so much, Brianna. Yes, I am. Also accept insurance, Amerigroup, CareSource, Aetna, Blue Cross Blue Shield, Cigna, and United Healthcare. And you're licensed in telehealth as well, right? Yes. As well, is so it telehealth? Yeah, telehealth. So, and I definitely nice. recommend her. She's awesome, awesome. I love talking to Thank her. Thank you. I know you guys would. Thank you so much, Brianna. All right. So, all right. I'm going to have a great night, guys. Bye.